Hi, I'm your host, Mark Stenson. In addition to these podcast interviews, I facilitate patient-doctor listening research, known as Innovate Groups. These panels have four patients and four doctors and provide an opportunity to observe and improve the interactions that lie at the heart of effective health care. I've created an ebook on this Innovate Group method, and I'd like to offer you a download. It includes real-life case studies to underscore the power of better patient-doctor listening. So visit biosciencebridge.com to download your ebook, Innovate Group Revolutions. Now, before I welcome today's guest, here's a familiar voice on an important health topic. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Rome. I've played many roles on TV and film, but today I want to speak to you as myself about a cause that's very dear to my heart. The Cancer Prevention and Treatment Fund provides free help to those who have cancer and those who wish to prevent it. They've also worked tirelessly on banning cancer-causing chemicals in our homes and neighborhoods. I want to thank them as a mom for protecting our families. Please donate today at the Cancer Prevention and Treatment Fund at StopCancerFund.com. Welcome to The Patient Speak, Healthcare Innovations Accelerating the Patient Journey. Featuring interviews with healthcare leaders and patient advocates. Here's your host, best-selling author, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends and colleagues, to our new season of The Patients Speak. And one person who's listened to a lot of patients and gotten a lot of insights and experiences, our guest today, Rob Oliver. Rob, welcome to the show. Oh, th- thanks for having me, Mark. Rob is a speaker, a podcaster, a patient himself. He's got a great program called Perspectives on Healthcare. And just this May, Rob, you, I think, set the Guinness World Record in a marathon interviewing session of 137 interviews. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of patient listening there. Yeah. I, no, it is It is official at this point. So Excellent. Yeah, which I was. And I'll tell you this, from my own personal experience, it was cool to set the record, but the insights that I received from the people that I talked to were priceless. That's really the value that came out of it. Absolutely. And I must uh, underscore that you are what you uh, are going through your own healthcare journey as a patient. So we'll gain some insights from that too. But Rob, let's get started then. As you talk to patients about their complex healthcare conditions, about their experiences trying to get to a doctor, trying to find treatment in urban and rural areas. I I found that fascinating. But maybe you can give us a summary, give us a headline when you took away from what the patients said. The most frequent thing that I heard was, I want my medical providers to listen to me. Mm -hmm. And I, I found that to be a recurring theme. And it's so interesting because who knows what the symptoms are? The patient does. And who knows what's going on in, in their life and what's like the patient does. And yet sometimes the medical professionals are in such a rush to get through this appointment, get onto the next appointment. That they're facing insurance pressures on how long each um, interaction can be. And yeah, that's the number one thing people wanted is please listen to me. Mm-hmm. And when it came to listening, did they seem to think that you're not hearing my condition, my symptoms, or did they say you're not appreciating, you're not understanding, you're not showing compassion? 
What do you think that they wanted to be heard for? There were two things that they really wanted. Number one is to for the provider to take a little bit of time to make sure that they were being fully heard. Number two is to be seen as a whole rather than as simply a diagnosis. Sometimes people, medical providers were focusing in and it became so fixated on the diagnosis that they missed out on the rest of the person. The fact that they work, maybe they have a family, they are in the community and all of those elements are affected by what's going on in their life from a medical experience. Mm -hmm. And what about this idea of just getting in to see the doctor? And I, I know that there was one guest, for example, recently from, I believe, South Dakota. It's, I live in a county with uh, two people per square mile. So there's not a lot of doctors around. Yeah. So it's interesting. I actually did, besides interviewing patients, I also interview professionals. I interviewed John Cullen, who is a, a family physician from up in Alaska. He covers a territory that includes 5,000 people, but it's the size of the state of Ohio. Mm -hmm. So it's a huge area. And what he says is you've got to, you've got to meet the needs of the people in your community, regardless of where they're coming from or what your expertise is. So sometimes you've got a family physician who's working with people in trauma, who is working with people with cancer. And so you've got, they're wearing multiple hats. And so it, it's interesting that, yeah, the cool thing is the advent of telehealth and the advent of the virtual visit means that people now have access to specialists that they didn't have before. So I feel like that's somewhat leveling the playing field, but it's still a major challenge. We often uh, hear and use this term healthcare heroes to, well, on the provider side, these are people who are really going above and beyond to care for patients. And then among patients, we say these are really people who have gone through some major events, major struggles, and come out the other side to advocate for other people like them. Did these people that you interviewed really appreciate the heroic nature of their journey? Let me give it to you this way. I set the interview structure up that it was designed to be a positive share. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is Guinness says, you've got to ask five questions for it to be an official interview. So I set up the five questions. Can you tell me about yourself and your healthcare experience? Have you met any healthcare heroes along the way? What do you wish your medical providers knew about you? What does quality healthcare mean to you? And what is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? All of the recognition, no, change that. 99% of the recognition went to healthcare heroes that are practicing professionals who say, this is what they're doing. They're doing it right. And I wish more people were like them. Mm -hmm. There was one guest who said, I'd like to nominate myself as a healthcare hero because I'm a self-advocate, I've been through a lot. And I'm just being able to share my story, being able to push for what I need is going to make a, a difference in the world. So I'm the healthcare hero. 
That's I love that. And besides uh, wanting to be heard, I guess I, I think about that patient-physician encounter. And most of my work focuses right on that intersection. The patient has to find the doctor and the doctor has to give the patient the time. What is it about that encounter? Yes, they want to be heard. But then what does the physician say they need? It's interesting. Much of what I hear from physicians and from medical professionals is they come into the position with a desire to help and are frustrated by the system in which they must operate. And so that that's where a lot of your burnout comes. And I interviewed a surgeon by the name of Sam Ree, and his suggestion for medical professionals in order to improve quality healthcare is get involved. So if you're wherever you work, see if there are work groups or there are leadership councils or whatever it is. He was urging medical professionals to become part of the process to see if they can improve the system and thereby meet the needs of their patients better. Let me, I'll tell you a quick story that I think is really important to frame this context. A friend of mine is a pilot and he travels all over the country in a variety of different aircraft, but he was going through some airspace. He had filed his flight plan and the air traffic control came on to say, Hey, we need you to alter your flight plan. And to say he is cantankerous is <laughs> to say that I have a little trouble walking. Okay. I'm completely paralyzed. The guy is, yeah. Anyway, we'll leave it there. And so he gets into a, a sparring match, a verbal sparring match with air traffic control. And eventually he cancels his flight plan. He says, I'm just going to fly however I want. And his parting shot to air traffic control is this. Are you down there because I'm up here or am I up here because you're down there? right? Air traffic control is, exists because of the pilots. And it's the same thing I challenge medical professionals with. Are there patients in the waiting room because I'm in the office or am I in the office because there's patients in the waiting room? It's got to be the latter. Yes. And you alluded to your own experience and your own condition. Let's uh, turn the page and talk about you for a second. What have you learned about Again, the patient communication. But what have you learned from your journey about empowering people to take control of their own physical and mental health condition? Sure. There is nobody that's going to stand up for you in the way that you can most of the time. Um, the good news is I have a fantastic wife. She is my partner in crime. And I, I get to be the good cop most of the time when there are problems. <laughs> but I, I will say that nobody can know what you're feeling or thinking unless you express it. So do so in a courteous and professional way, but don't let them push you into something that doesn't work for you. So I'll give you a, an example from my experience. I was just in the hospital and had the final of three kidney stone surgeries. But it started with me in the emergency room and I had a kidney drain in and it was leaking. And so the urologist came in and said, your surgery scheduled in five days. We're just going to put a patch on your tube that's leaking and we'll send you home and you can have your surgery in five days. And I said, okay, 
here's the problem. And that is if you send me home with this patch on there, it's going to leak all over my wheelchair. It's going to leak all over my bed. It's still going to leak. I don't, that's not an acceptable solution. What else can we do? And so she said, let me check. They checked with the doctor and they moved my surgery up so that I was admitted to the hospital. And a day and a half later, surgery accomplished, tube out, leak stopped. We were all good. But it's a, a simple thing to explain to them why something might not work and ask them for a different solution and see what they can come up with. And if you've got your own ideas about how to solve the problem, feel free to share those too. Yes, yes. And I think that's what the speaking up part, and it's, boy, I tell you, it's not that easy. I've been in the uh, healthcare field my, almost my entire career. And I swear, I get in that office and you're in the gown or you're on the table and you're in this subservient position with the expert doctor and your mind goes blank. Two things about that. Number one, um, sometimes it's helpful to write down your list of questions yes. or list of concerns yes. before you go in. Uh, number two, I don't have a medical degree, but what I have is a, a PhD in what I term Robology. Okay. <laughs> you've got one in Markology and you've lived with you your whole life. You are aware of what goes on in your world. You're likely aware of whatever conditions it is that you face, whatever. Um, so you are an expert in you. And what needs to happen is there needs to be a mutual respect for the expertise and a desire for both parties to work together to achieve an outcome that is agreeable to both sets of experts, the patient expert and the medical expert. That's good insight. We're talking to Rob Oliver. He has a great program called Perspective on Healthcare. It's a great podcast. And he's a speaker and a keynote speaker on these topics. Rob, let's also speak maybe personally and one-on-one -on -one to listeners who might be healthcare executives. They might be at healthcare systems, large medical practices, but even biotech, medical devices, pharma companies. These are the people who are developing the tools, the protocols, the techniques and policies. Uh, what would you say to them personally about how to listen better, how to connect to patients better? What, what sort of things would you advise them? I live in Pittsburgh and the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center had some advertisements a number of years ago. I'll just say, I don't remember how long, but they talked about the fact that Mrs. Johnson is not the hip replacement in room 919 bed A. Hmm. She is a grandmother who is getting her hip replaced so that she can take her grandkids to the park and she can work in her garden and that she can go to her knitting group kind of thing. Um, those may not be the exact things that they had in the list, sure. but that's never, ever lose sight of the fact that patients are people and that what is being done for them is allowing them to live their life as fully as possible. And that's got to be where the focus is. Make sure that people are receiving the help, receiving the care that they need so that they can get back to what they're doing or back to what they love. And so to me, I've found that there are three different types of care that people receive. Okay. One is a short-term care where um, it's just a something temporary. You have a sprained ankle or what have you. Um, 
And what you're doing is you're allowing people to, to get back to doing what they love as quickly as possible. Another is when people are dealing with a new life circumstance. So you've got diabetes, you've got whatever it is. And the goal is to be able to get back to doing what you love as close as possible as you were beforehand. Uh, and the last one is when people are looking at a looking at an end of life decision. And when they're making those decisions, it's interesting to me because it's got to focus on the patient. And I'll just give you a quick example that the treatment plan for people varies based on who it is and what their life circumstance is. And I had uh, an oncologist on who was talking about three people in her practice that received the same diagnosis and the treatment plan for all three of them was different. Hmm. So one was an 85 year old man who received a cancer uh, diagnosis. And he said, I don't want to do treatment. I'm too old. I, I, I don't feel like putting myself through that. And he chose not to do any treatment. Another was a 25-year-old young woman, and she said, I would like to treat this as aggressively as possible. And that was her plan. Another was a 30-something-year-old man who was a family man and said, okay, I will do the treatment, but I'm going on vacation with my family, and I don't want to lose all my hair, and I don't want to feel awkward on vacation, so I would like to do my treatment after I get back from my vacation. And so it's the same diagnosis for all three. And yet the treatment plan is different in each case. Yes. Very personal, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And you talk about treating people as people. And I think about oftentimes in the medical environment, even medical communications, we think about quote case studies and they sound like it's a 40 year old woman with these conditions and this height, this weight, this background that I guess that's a start. But there's so much more than the sort of medical symptoms and diagnosis codes, isn't there? Uh, there has to be. And um, a number of years ago, the World Health Organization was pushing for functional assessment rather than diagnostic assessment. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Uh, listen, uh, let me give you an analogy. I'm a person with a disability, right? So when I was 21 years old, I was involved in a body surfing injury where I broke my neck. I'm paralyzed from the chest down with limited use of my arms and hands. And so I tell you that to frame this, there are, there have been movements about how to refer to people with disabilities. Many years ago, it was handicapped. And then it was the disabled. And then they moved to person first language and it was people with disabilities. And all of those are well and good, but I don't identify with any of those three. I'm Rob. That's who I am. And that's how I want to be treated. And I think the same thing applies in the medical setting. I don't classify myself as a quadriplegic. I don't classify myself as a kidney stone patient. I'm Rob. And all of the rest of that just fits into my life as being part of help, being part of what I need to mm -hmm. be me. Yes. And you mentioned this term, terms like activities of daily living or assessments of functional, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it goes to what you were saying, and those in healthcare do often, because of the setting or because of maybe the focus on the condition, tend, tend to label, tend to 
put you in the box of whatever patient category you are at that moment. But you're right. If you pull the camera back and you see the entire life, if we the day in the life of Rob, rather sure. than a moment in time of a medical encounter. Yeah. And that's just it. I had Nicholas Smith, who is a psychologist, I believe, down in Tampa. He was on the program. And during his interview, he works a lot with teens with a diabetes um, diagnosis. And that, when you draw back and look at the big picture there, it's not just a kid who has diabetes. Now you're looking at them altering their lifestyle, altering their diet. Their family is going to have to alter their diet. Their parents are dealing with a child now who has got some, I don't want to say limitations, who has got some fragile diagnoses. And so you're, when you draw back and as you said, you pan out and you look at the big picture, it's not just a single diagnosis, but it is something that has a ripple effect across. Even the grandparents are going to have to be aware of when they have a birthday party, what are they going to, are they going to be able to have the right kind of food or they you know, just the whole thing. It's a big ripple experience that comes from a single diagnosis. And if you are so focused on the diagnosis, you miss out on what happens across the lifespan and across the, the generations and the entire family. Yes. Rob, it's been such a pleasure talking with you. And I know you've got a million stories from your uh, interviews as well, but let's keep listening to folks like Rob. If you like this podcast, that's great. But Rob's got another perspective, and that's why it's called Perspectives on Healthcare. He's looking at a lot of patients and a lot of healthcare heroes. And I know you'll want to join uh, Rob on his program. And Rob, I really appreciate you sharing both your learnings and your personal journey. And I thought maybe you could leave us after setting a world record for the longest interviewing marathon, talking to 137 people in 37 hours and some odd minutes. What's next? What's ahead for you? And boy, I guess I, in context, what is your antenna up to listen for? The next thing for me is I'm taking it and I'm putting it into a book. The patients, the people that I've talked to have actually written the book for me. And it's a matter now of taking all those quotes, taking the information that they've provided and literally sharing that with medical professionals to say, this is what we have to say. These are our ideas for how you can do a better job in providing quality healthcare. Uh, wonderful. My guest has been Rob Oliver. He's the host of Perspectives on Healthcare, the podcast, and he's a keynote speaker on healthcare issues and patient listening of all kinds of topics. Rob, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I'll put all your contact information in the show notes so we can find you. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. And until next time, I'm Mark Stenson. We're continuing into season two of our interviews, talking to people like Rob who have unique perspectives on healthcare, but also medical researchers, patient advocates of all kinds, and healthcare executives who need to hear what people say when the patients speak. Thanks for listening to The Patients Speak, healthcare innovations accelerating the patient journey with best-selling author Mark Stinson. Our podcast is hosted on Captivate.fm, so you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now so you won't miss an episode of The Patients Speak.
This podcast is produced by BSB Media. We also host another show you might enjoy, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. It's a top-rated podcast featuring interviews with creators around the world. We help you gain the confidence and connections to launch your creative work out into the world. Look for Unlocking Your World of Creativity on your favorite podcast app.